So, Alice, before we start recording, uh, may I invite you to the Glasgow-based Willie's Chocolate Experience? <laughs> that's, cho- that's chocolate with one O. I've got some, I've got some marketing bump here uh, to kind of yes, entice please. you. Uh, it promises en- entering entertainment, uh, cat cat ga- cat gacketing, what li- live performances, Karchi tons. Exarsa Dre lollipops and a paradise of sweet teats. <laughs> I I love the paradise. I mean, I think my favourite is the Karchi Tuns. Karchi Tuns. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Well, unfortunately, now unfortunately, I do believe this <laughs> this has been shut down. Uh, Either voluntarily or by the authorities. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those like promised fantasy lands for children that's actually just up an empty warehouse with some with some polyester lollipops hanging off the walls. Or was that's my regular Saturday night. <laughs> I really want to. I I really want to know like the story behind the website because it's like AI generated, but even worse than what we know AI generation is capable of. These aren't words. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter if you're marketing it to children because they can't read. <laughs> <laughs> to this series three episode eight i'm taking a punt on eight i am fairly sure it's eight this i'm i'm confident i'm 90 percent sure right. it's episode eight this week we'll go with eight we'll go with we'll eight at uh, the electronic wireless show rock paper shoggers pc gaming podcast and the only podcast you need in my opinion which is that of alice bell i'm joined this week by james archer hello james hello how are things? things? You didn't. You didn't get to go to the, <laughs> no, <laughs> the Willie's chocolate experience. Not, you well, you you were in. You're the one who was in Scotland recently. Um, I was. Yeah, I was. Uh, in Aberdeen this weekend. Just gone for. A, it was called Granite Noir. It was a, a book festival, a crime book festival in Aberdeen. I've never been to Aberdeen before. It was quite lovely. Oh, nice. Uh, it's the yeah furthest north I've ever been, but it was very sunny, so I got good weather for it. I think. Um, but I was texting. <laughs> Do you know, like when uh, when a games journal goes to like a fan event and they they're sort of like reporting on it, like mm. uh, like they're a naturalist, like they're fucking Attenborough. You know, <laughs> I was doing that, but like I was texting Graham, uh, our PS in peace, because he is from Scotland. He's from I think just outside Glasgow actually. And um, I was like, Graham, what is... Because like, I've been to Scotland before, but I've been to Edinburgh, which is mostly full of English people. <laughs> so I was like, I've, Graham, I got a swag bag and it had like tatty scones and haggis flavoured crisps in it. What is happening? <laughs> like, I didn't realise Scotland was like, they're Scottish. I thought that was just for tourists. But I saw people in like kilts cutting about. <laughs> and, like, 
and I was like, they like Scottish people do actually say I like all the time. Yeah. And he was like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, obviously. I, I, I went to Scotland for the first time um, in December last year. And I was also struck by the, the, the Scottishness of it. Because I don't know. He, 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 I, I live in London. I Because I, I went to Glasgow and Edinburgh. I kind of thought they'd just be like a bit, you know, like London, but Northern. But, you know, <laughs> the, the overwhelming majority, I think, are, are actual proper Scots. So. Well, I, I know we sound like twats. <laughs> but, but like, I assumed that like a lot of the more Scottish stuff um, that we think of as being very Scottish is mostly played up for like Americans that think they're Scottish. And this may be influenced by my experience of living in like a tourist town in Ireland. Well, like right. every time an American turns up and is like, "Oh my God, was the, this woman on the Titanic? Were they the O'Briens from from fucking, <laughs> you know Carrie? Because that's my family." And then whoever it is will be like, "It is, yeah, yeah, it's definitely your ancestors. That'll be thirty quid, you know." <laughs> so I assumed it was like that, but Scottish people are just delightful. Um, I had a lovely time. Everyone was very friendly, and also I know I'm really preambling here before we start talking about anything. But I had I saw an incredible uh, sugar daddy situation while I was there. A sugar daddy um, situation. Yes, it was so good because I like I am trying to get better at like going out by myself. You know, when you don't have someone to like go for dinner with or whatever. Yeah. Go out and have a nice dinner by yourself, kind of thing. Um, for whatever reason. Uh, this was a dinner, this was lunch. I went to the shopping centre. I needed to get some stuff for, for my phone. And the, there's one Apple store in all of Ireland. And it is not in the city where their European headquarters are. It's in Dublin. So uh, I was like, Aberdeen has an Apple store. I will go and get whatever I need. And then I had like an hour before I, the panel I was on. So I was like, oh, I've got to get lunch in the shopping centre. So... I went into a prezzo at lunchtime on a Friday and there was okay. a, an older gentleman dressed all in grey with like grey converse and like pulled up grey socks and a grey turtleneck and he had he was sat, they were in a little booth. Uh, it was him and a much younger lady. So she was like my age and he was like 60. So it wasn't like um, terrifying like 19 year old with it situation. Yeah. It was like everyone's getting something out of this. They're all adults. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, but it was very funny because like they were sat in the booth and they were doing that thing where you know instead of sitting opposite your date you sit next to them and he had his hand on her leg and stuff but they were like acting like they were in the fucking ritz or something like they were sending food back they were asking for ice for their pinot grigio (laughs) they were like making they were they made a point of saying they were like regulars at this fucking shopping center prezzo in Aberdeen because they were like the food last week was really great but it wasn't and I was just like wow I mean live your dreams hun she's found a man that will buy her whatever she wants at prezzo at prezzo exactly (laughs) although in fairness to them it was the worst plate of pasta I've had in my life so maybe I should have sent the food back as well but it was great I was texting all my friends about it and I had to leave. (laughs) She got a phone call. Exactly, yeah. She she got a phone call that was like a drama phone call. She was like, I didn't say that. That's a lie. And I started kicking off. But like, I had to go. I couldn't hang around. Like, I'd already paid. So I couldn't like stand there anymore. Otherwise, it would just be really obvious that I was just listening. Anyway. (laughs) 
Uh, I do recommend Aberdeen. It's lovely. Uh, this has no bearing on anything that we're talking about today. How are you, James? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. I got um, I I have a bit of a toothache actually. Uh, oh no. And I've I, I was looking at my dent my dentistry options and like you you, can, you can't get an NHS dentist around here. Uh, like it, it takes months. Um. So <laughs> yeah. So I I looked at like do I have do I have like dental benefits uh, for my employment? And it turns like I waived them last year. Um, Why? Because so, <laughs> uh, you have to you have to pay for it. That's not a benefit. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> that's taking that's losing money. Um, but yeah, no, it it, it is like it is subsidized uh, subsidized dental care. So I I, <laughs> I, I conveniently uh, we are currently in the signing up phase for this year's company benefit. So I signed up. For, uh, yeah, so I signed up for yeah, dental yeah. coverage now, but it doesn't kick in until like I think the first of April. So I'm currently, hang on. I'm, in, I'm in, I'm in the situation I think a lot of Americans are, where they, where they think kind of like, can I just, can I just like live with the pain, <laughs> rather than pay to make it go away? I get a toothache whenever I have a stuffed nose. Really? My my molars start hurting at the back. I've been to the dentist before about it, and she was like, "You fool, just blow your nose." <laughs> oh God, none of this is about Easter eggs. It's not even Easter. How are we going to segue what? this, James? Easter's in April, right? Yeah. So my, <laughs> I'll be able to go to the dentist in April, which is when Easter is. And you know what else you get in Easter? <laughs> that was the most disapproving sinus noise I've ever heard. Yeah, it was good. I've got a sore throat. I thought I had COVID again because I was around people, obviously, this weekend. If I got COVID again, that would be six times. I'm cooking my brain. It's not good. Um, but in the news this week was uh, a kind of slightly cryptic uh, Miyazaki uh, sort of tease uh, about Elden Ring, the Souls-like game uh, from From Software. New DLC is out soon. Um, the, was it the Shadow, Shadow of the Erd Tree? That's it. I've surprised my own self remembering that. Um, so in an interview uh, with Ian Games Network, the director said the devs are always surprised and delighted by how much the players do discover and how much these communities work to uncover these secrets. Um, IGN say in their own words that Miyazaki said he doesn't think there's anything that hasn't been discovered by now. And then somewhat contradictorily, he suggested maybe there was something. For me personally, there is a small element that I feel has not yet been discovered. So whether that's up to user interpretation or up to just further investigation and playing, that's something I'm looking forward to, he added. I think it's a question of when and not if, but there may be something small still missing. Um, so first of all, do you believe him, James? <laughs> <laughs> it, the, when I saw the headlines about this, I thought there was, it'd be like a meaty secret, um, of which, like, to my understanding, Elden Ring has many. Like, it's it's an unusually yeah. vast and diverse range of like secret stuff in that game. Um, the way he, I don't know if it's just like the translation. But the way he described it there made it sound like it's like a it is a very very minor thing like maybe I don't know something boring like how certain stats multiply with something certain weapon interactions yeah. I don't know um, I mean I I, I I hope it is big because that would be neat even though it even, doesn't yeah <laughs> yeah 
I, 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 don't, I, I don't ordinarily like it when developers do this like nudge and wink thing at secrets because if you know something's there, it naturally becomes less of a secret. Well, that's why I'm a bit like, I don't know if I believe him because it sounds like, oh, maybe there's something there. Wink, maybe there isn't. You think it's like, a bit of myth-making? Yeah, basically. Maybe. Do you know? Yeah. Although that, that that's then, it because... because uh, uh, sorry. And then in like a few weeks' time, someone on Reddit will be like, I think I found what Miyazaki was talking about. It's this plant or whatever. And you can just pick of one grass. of the many things and be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can just, yeah, he'll pick one and be like, yeah, it was that, well done. Do you know? Mm, yeah. Or, or, he's, or he's double bluffing. Ooh. <laughs> I, I don't... Do, I want to say like I don't want to say like like would he care about that? But developers do care about this stuff. Um, yeah. Was it Bat Bat? So Batman Arkham Asylum had a secret room somewhere that I think Rocksteady basically got bored of waiting for people to find. <laughs> so after a few months, they just <laughs> they just announced it existed on a on a podcast. <laughs> I didn't know they did that. I knew about the secret because that's the room that has like plans for Arkham City, right? Which is like teasing the next game. Yeah, it you know it's co it's cool contents, but maybe like I think would it have been cooler if they just waited for it to you know come out na come out naturally, and then maybe Arkham City would already be out by that point, and then there would have been a much yeah. bigger you know finger finger pointing oh kind of moment. Yeah, like, I agree. Because it makes it sound like that that they built that secret room as like part of their marketing plan in that case, and they needed it to be discovered at yeah. like a certain point. <laughs> I didn't know they'd have sort of podcast. That's very funny. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I do agree with them that like the community around the FromSoft games are amazing. Um, in terms of because those games are so big and like weird so much of the story is just hidden in like item descriptions or whatever yeah so they really have to put the, the work in um and fair play to them for that but yeah i'm not entirely sure i believe that he's talking about anything specific and he he's maybe just myth making i don't know maybe that's uncharitable of me i apologize miyazaki but uh i don't know i might start oh. doing that with my books just be like there's something someone hasn't worked out and then just <laughs> and oh. just see what people come up with what what's some other good secrets in games? Well, I was I was thinking. Do you know what the first ever Easter egg was, James? Uh, no, I don't. You didn't like so it. it was, it was from uh, the nineteen eighty video game adventure for the Atari uh, twenty six hundred two thousand twenty six. Oh, how do you say it? Uh, the Atari two thousand six hundred. I, I say two six hundred for some reason. That's not okay. how I'd normally pronounce the number two thousand six hundred by. No, I'd definitely say two six hundred in relation to that. Maybe it is the two six hundred. Hmm. It's like how Americans say NES and SNES, and we say SNES. SNES, yeah. SNES is just more I fun think SNES to is say. more yeah. more fun. I was yes, exactly. Um, but uh, this game was programmed by the employee Ro Warren Robinette, and at the time, Atari did not include programmers' names in the game credits, according Ooh. to Wikipedia, both to prevent competitors from poaching its surface, as well as to deny developers a means to bargain <laughs> well, with management and new keep, owners. They're keeping their staff secret. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, and so Robinette 
uh, secretly program the message created by Warren Robinette to appear if a player moves their avatar over a specific pixel, which is dubbed the grey dot during a certain part of the game, and enters a previously forbidden part of the map where you can see the message. Um, he didn't tell them he'd done this, uh, and then he left Atari. Uh, shortly after his departure, it was discovered by a player, and they wanted initially Atari to remove the message and re-release the game, but this would cost too what? much money, so they just <laughs> left it. Um People got and mad instead, about that. Atari got mad about it. Oh, so Atari got Steve mad. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, got, yeah Atari oh got I mad. thought you meant. I thought you meant like the player who discovered it got mad. No, <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't put it past players. This is breaking my immersion. Instead, Steve Wright, the director of software development in the Atari consumer division, suggested they keep the message and, in fact, encourage the inclusion of such messages in future games, describing them as Easter eggs for consumers to find. Imagine, like, credits as Easter eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Come on. I played with um, Warren Robinette, though. Well, uh, Ro- Warren Robinette. I know, Don't I struggle with saying it yeah. as well. Anti-work yeah. icon. <laughs> Um, so I like there are some that I've seen that I like um, The Witcher 2 has one that I liked which is uh, you in a certain part of the castle it's very early on but you walk past like a, a what do you call it um, cart full of hay but it's been like uh, obliterated and then there's like like it's all kind of crushed and smashed and then there's just like the body of a dead assassin from Assassin's Creed right. <laughs> I know that one I know that one I like that one um, another one I really like is um, in Dare the Tentacle which is one of my favourite games uh, 1993 Lucas Lucasfilm LucasArts um, you can play the full original Maniac Mansion game from the 80s uh, just by like it's just on a computer in a character's room oh, and you just com- <laughs> you play like a whole other game in this game which I think is pretty cool uh, do you have any favorites yeah so um one, one, one of my old favorites is it's not a pc game but in the first few ratchet and clank games there's this thing called the insomniac museum or it's named after developers insomniac which was filled with like concept art and scrapped material and developer commentary uh, and it was always like a physical place that you had to find, and then once you were there, you're, you, you that you know that's how you viewed everything. Huh. It was literally a museum that you could run around and poke around in. Um, but it, it was always like a physical place that you had to find, and the way to do that was normally yeah a bit Easter eggy. Like you had to <laughs> you had to either yeah. like stand in a certain place at a certain time of day, or like set your PS2 clock to be to be that time just before you load in. <laughs> um, so that's. I like that stuff not just for the secrecy, but also like the sheer wealth of interesting stuff that you get by unearthing the secret. And then at the yeah. opposite end of that, I really like extremely small and petty secrets. So <laughs> Resident Evil 4, the original one, uh, has a hidden yeah. cardboard cutout of a man. I don't know who he is. He's just a man in like a jacket and a, a scarf. Um, a cardboard cutout of him that's placed so far outside the playable area of the game that you need the best like sniper rifle scope and to turn your screen brightness up just to like vaguely make out his outline. And even then it's only by looking through this one crack in one random rock. It's so like pointless and petty, but I love it for that reason. There's no there's no there's no good reason for it because they do it anyway. Um and then 
it's also cool when games have secrets that sort of rely on its players to build the myth around it. Um, even if it's not like necessarily intended as an Easter egg, uh, you see a lot. Yeah, you see a lot of this stuff in speedrunning. I think where someone finds, I don't know, like a section of wall that you can shimmy through, and then it game, and then that gets yeah, colloqu- like collectively named something like the Steve Cut because someone called Steve found it. But there's also <laughs> there's a there's a really good example in Super Mario sixty four known as the unkillable Goomba, and basically mm. there's a single Goomba in the final level of Super Mario 64 that spawns right at the bottom of the map. And because that's considered out of bounds, it dies almost instantly. And the, re- and the reason is... The reason it's called the unkillable Goomba, despite dying very quickly, is that for over a decade, people have been <laughs> trying and failing to get down to the bottom of the map and kill it themselves. Oh my before, god. Before the god game does a job for them. I think that's great, because that has both the investigative aspect that someone had to actually go yeah. and find this Goomba in the first place and actually uh, people only discovered it because someone found out that Goombas always spawn in a little triangle of three and yeah someone no- someone noticed that on like the actual platform in this level that there's only two Goombas so it was like where's a third Goomba? There's supposed to be a third Goomba and it's down there <laughs> um, so it has both that aspect Aww. and like and also the incredibly human desire to try and conquer the the impossible <laughs> that's like the um the grannies who broke through the walls in uh red dead redemption online um we have a news post about it i don't know if you there's a really short documentary i think it's about 15 minutes that's about all the weird shit they found like out of bounds managing to break out of the map like these weird pyramids and like water that's like 2d kind of uh you can sort yeah. of float in yeah it's amazing um yeah the, but a lot of that to me is like more interesting than that actual like easter eggs that people have have designed it's, it's you know it's a it's a, it's a glimpse yeah. behind the curtain well they patched it out in the end so you can't get there oh, anymore. so they closed the curtain because you're not meant to yeah which i always think is, is a shame um there's little things as well I like like um that they the sort of set dressing ones like I think you could find like a um a crashed like alien spaceship in um I want to say Red Dead Redemption 2 I think it's 2 uh that's supposed to be like a superman reference I think I'm pretty sure it's Red Dead Redemption it's a it's a rockstar game anyway <laughs> um um or like in um f- one of the fallouts you can find like a fridge with like a, a body with a fedora oh yeah like an yeah. indiana jones hat as a reference to to the crystal skull bit where he finds himself at the nuclear testing site and gets in a fridge like because yeah. that yeah cool um i love that stuff do you think like it's now like a, a fit like you know, Easter eggs aren't kind of that hidden anymore because people want people to find like the Arkham Asylum thing. Do you think it's like a like a tick box thing, like you put in an Easter egg kind of thing now? Uh, I don't know. I I, I think it probably varies on a case by case basis. I think some I think some people probably do put something in with the with a view to I don't know it being screenshotted and then shared about like oh look at this cool thing in game yeah. that's available now. 
Um, I think a lot yeah. of it is, uh, yeah, maybe more personal stuff put in by by individual developers who maybe don't have the uh yeah the backing that's the that's the better stuff i think yeah those, those things are hard to find you... I, I guess i guess it's yeah but then also like i don't i don't maybe maybe people aren't as inclined to do that anymore because it's so much easier to patch games nowadays and if someone finds something that isn't like uh an, a studio approved easter egg then, unsanctioned yeah. yeah unsanctioned easter egg then that that could be like patched out in short order unlike warren uh i've got i'm you sorry ne- you got you nearly got it i can't get the i can't get rubes pierre out of my head and i know that's not it <laughs> <laughs> that would be great though. R- robinette Rob- robinette there we go rubes pierre fucking hell. yeah that's very true uh i don't know if like it because as well, the other thing is that like you've got so much actual work that you've got to do when you're making a game now. Like if you're crunching, do you have time to like do something whimsical just for yourself? Yeah. Oh, I do. Re- I really like the running joke of asking people, ask of people asking Alan to put something in. Do you know? Do you know? Oh, it, for, it, it was originally like one of the Hitman games. Um, like <laughs> a, a, there was a missing item description. Where Io had actually accidentally left in the message like, "Alan, please write something," or like, "Alan, please add description," <laughs> and then that that became like a thing where un- unrelated developers to Hitman started putting yeah these little Easter eggs in the games where it says like, "Alan, please add this texture." Uh, Alan, please write blurb. <laughs> that's good. I like that. That's like a, a Wilhelm scream. I assume that's a running joke, and there isn't just this one particularly incompetent person called Alan who has done a lot of job hopping uh, throughout game studios. You never know. I mean, everyone's job hopping these days, though, aren't they? Through no Allegedly. fault of their own. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, good stuff. I mean, we'll see with the. Uh, the Miyazaki's comments if there is something in Elden Ring um, that has yet to be found and what it is. Someone I follow on Twitter is doing a, a very funny run. I, I'll find a link to it if I can. Um, in Elden Ring, where they've made like a, just a writ, like a tank, like um, high damage, huge uh, sword that does like, you know, bosses in a few hits, you just have to avoid getting hit yourself. I think he's called it the bonk build, because you just bonk. <laughs> you. Um, I'll try if I look for that. It's very good. Um, if you have an inkling as to what you think the Elden Ring secret might be, then get in touch. You can email us at podcast.rockpapershotgun.com. Um, let's move on now to talk about games, what we have been playing this week. <laughs> I have been playing Nightingale, and I do not like it. No. <laughs> so this is a this is a gas lamp fantasy survival crafting game. Yeah. From Inflection, Inflection Games, who were founded by Aaron Flynn, who was previously general manager of Bioware. It's weird because some parts of it feel like they were made by people with enormous creative talent, and some parts feel like they were made by someone who's never played a video game before. Like, oh my goodness, that's so like, interesting. Though. Like the the styling of it is really very well realized and very distinct, like especially among survival games. So it has this like really strong Victorian Britain crossed with the works of C.S. Yeah. Lewis vibe. Um, and the general fiction of it 
is quite strong. Basically, it's still it's still in the days of mustaches and hoop skirts, but also fey exist, and interdimensional uh-huh. travel is not considered that big of a deal. Uh, that then ties into what is a very cool twist on Spiral Games, in that you have to travel between realms to find all the stuff you need, as opposed to it all being in one fixed space. And you can mm. you can like set and later change the the rules of each realm, each reality, kind of by playing these magic cards. So when you go through a portal, you can choose for it to be like either a very abundant forest or maybe a desert that doesn't have many resources but does have more fey ruins that you can raid for better loot. Um, and there are these things called realmic, realmic transmuters, I think they're called, where you can activate another card within a realm and that can instantly change the weather or plunge it into darkness and stuff like that. Um, that's and, fun. And that, that, that's, all, that's all great. Um, but the actual survival crafting stuff is so tedious. It is the mm. absolute slowest, most granular, most opaque rendition of the chop trees, gather pelts, refine ingots formula that I think mm. I've ever played, personally. Oh dear. Like everything, you, everything you need to do, or well, need to craft, I suppose, seems to have like five preceding steps that you need to act before you can actually start. And most of those either involve watching a load of very sluggish gathering animations or sitting around and waiting while a timer ticks down over the crafting bench. So, and like the more stuff you build, like the longer that timer is. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to cook like 10 slabs <laughs> of meat at once, they're going to be staring at a, staring at a stove uh, for really more than you should. Um, I know that I, I know the appeal of these games is that like the like style of games is that you essentially build yourself up with your own two hands. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, bootstraps in it. That's fine. Yeah, but I, I never get excited about finishing something because the process to get there is just so boring. Oh, it is proper. No. It is proper. Like to make bread from scratch, you must first create the universe. <laughs> Thinking about it, because I was like, oh, I like the look of this. I like the Rococo Mister Tumblers. Well, is voiced by Mark Warren, I believe, who was in. Um, the TV adaptation of Jonathan Norrell and Mr. Strange as a fake king, which is pretty good casting. Um, I don't like survival games, but I do like flashy Rococo fantasy nonsense. Uh, and I would have thought that people who do like survival games do not particularly like flashy Rococo survival nonsense. <laughs> uh, um, you know, gaslight fantasy nonsense. So... I Yeah, it just seems like, you know, they like griefing each other with bows and arrows in arc or whatever they don't like you know fabulous gilded bunny rabbits and portals (laughs) and things and flying umbrellas and and such like so it just seems like a a slight kind of mismatch there um yeah i don't know i i do think like the fantasy stuff is the strongest aspect like by far mm. um and the time the times i've enjoyed nightingale most are when basically i've ignored all the crafting stuff and just gone adventuring. And there is quite a nice sense of going forth and then traveling between like new realms and finding these lairs that themselves contain portals. And you don't know where the portal goes, but you throw yourself in anyway. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, ultimately, survival crafting games are about progression, but ad- that adventuring never feels as integral to that progression as yeah. chopping wood and mining ore does. 
Yeah, so and maybe it, yeah, they should have made maybe a slightly different. Yeah, kind it doesn't because really, the concept really, does sound fun. Yeah, it doesn't really try to spice up those processes or like tie them mm. into more interesting exploits beyond having this nice gas lamp fantasy aesthetic. I was actually playing. Uh, I was actually playing a little bit of Sons of the Forest um, yesterday, and yeah. I think I think that does be- that does a better job because it kind of tie. If you, if you want like a specific item, then it's almost like a little mini mission to go get that item, which can take you, you know, into a cannibal lair or having to swim out to sea amongst a load of sharks. Yeah. Um, and that and that and that's still tied into like the the gear progression system. Um. And I don't think, yeah, Nightingale doesn't have that sense, doesn't, you know, tie in mm. the sense of adventuring as much, except you, there's, there are some, like, places you have to raid in order to unlock the ability to create new cards. But, I don't know, it, the, the, it doesn't, like, re, I don't think it rewards adventuring as strongly as it should. Yeah. That's a shame. I would say it's a shame. I, you know, I was sort of rooting for it, I suppose, in it, but, but I'm not playing it. So, um, but Alice, I pointed out, like, you don't, your game doesn't get to be a success just because you used to work at Bioware. Like, you still have to make <laughs> a game that people want to play. So, um, yeah. yeah. Apparently, uh, apparently, I... apparently, apparently, some things I said in a in a preview we did of of Nightingale made Aaron Flynn quite cross at me. Well, I, I mean. Who was right? Do you know? I, I, I yeah, like it's not. I don't know. I love Aaron Flynn's work, yeah. but um, you know, perhaps if they had listened to you, James, more people would be playing the game. Unfortunately, the hit of the moment is Bellatro. Have you played any Bellatro? Because I haven't played any Bellatro. I have games. not. I have not played any Bellatro. I had my finger literally hovering over the buy button on Steam <laughs> because it's. To, to me, it's like it's very similar to like Baldur's Gate Free situation where yeah. ev- everyone loves it, so like it must surely be good. But I look yeah. at it, I just think this is not my thing at all. Yes, a hundred percent. I think we're both. Neither of us are very. Um, it's not like I'm anti deck builder, but I just I don't enjoy them. Yeah, like personally. Kind of- yeah, there's, there's no, there's not much like. This is again like this is me personally, but there's not much like tactile, uh, interaction or like maybe a sense of of doing things in a deck builder. Um, it is like kind of all maths. Uh, I just appa- I apparently just Belaccio can't has, do them. Apparently Belaccio has like Edwin was saying. Edwin was saying has a really nice. Like very very satisfying thing where you unlock new cards and you get to like unwrap them from the shiny wrapping, and that's you know nice nice and crunchy and satisfying. But I don't think that I don't think that can sustain me for um no for like, hours. Every, every time I say oh I don't really I feel like I'm physically incapable of enjoying deck builders like my brain chemistry just does not allow for it. But every time I say I don't like deck builders, some prick on rps slack is like one of my one of my valued colleagues it's always <laughs> like oh no this one's really good it's really juicy oh big number go up whatever and they're always fucking lying like, <laughs> of, no deck builder is good <laughs> <laughs> even the only one that i sort like, of got on with a bit was um uh 
inscription and that's because that's mostly not a deck builder and I wasn't very good at the deck building bits so that really was a barrier to me enjoying the game um but yeah, I, I I got I got a bit of FOMO with inscription to be honest I, I, I yeah. my, my reaction to yours is like like kind of similar like I I know I won't like it but also I'm a bit sad like I won't, <laughs> I won't like it because it yeah ev- everyone's having so much fun oh. I know <laughs> All I'm going on about fucking Slay the Spire. Stop it. Stop enjoying it <laughs> in front of me. Stop talking about Slay the Spire. <laughs> yeah, everyone stop talking about Slay the Spire now, please. Thank you. Talk, you've had your fun. <laughs> what? Uh, speaking, what have you been playing, Alice? <laughs> speaking of having fun, uh, I have been playing the since yesterday the DLC. We spoke about it last week. Uh, the Warhammer 40k special pack DLC for Power Simulator. Okay. So good. It's really good. <laughs> if you like Power Wash Simulator. Um, and I think it's so good that if you like Power Wash Simulator, but you don't really know much about Warhammer 40k, I think it can make you interested in Warhammer 40k. Really? Because it's so like, yeah, because it's very um, show don't tell. And it has quite a light touch and it renders these huge like war machines, these massive mechs and these dropships and stuff in this very kind of larger than life world. Um, And normally, obviously, you can only like see them at a distance, you know, quite small. Even the miniatures are little, right? I mean, they're miniatures. So (laughs) um, seeing them like big and kind of to a scale, you can walk around them and jump on them and climb around them and stuff makes them really impressive and it also it doesn't really explain all the stuff so you're you play like a a tech priest uh uh, like an engine seer i think they're called uh so you're like a little mechanic basically for this sort of quasi-religious um you know fanatical uh empire of space marines and the your job is to clean these battle you know machines Mm. Um, and it's all in context in like a huge kind of cathedral like vaulted space and you can look out the window and see Mars and stuff it's great and you you will be cleaning something off and it will just be like it will say it will be like one of those little wax seals with a bit of paper and it'll just say like purifying seal as you're cleaning it you know on your little <laughs> HUD and you're like what's a, what's a purifying seal why has it got like six of them strapped to this shield or, or like um you clean something called a dreadnought, which is a sort of super space Robocop, right? So it's got like a guy in there. It's kind of like a big uh, mech crossed with a life support machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you don't know anything about that, you're cleaning it and you're like, what? why am I cleaning the sarcophagus on this big machine? And then you're like, why is, why is there a viewing window in the sarcophagus, <laughs> man? Like, what? you know, so I think... It's really good at that, at just making it seem really interesting and making the law seem really cool. Divorced from, like, you know, going to a shop with grey carpet full of, in my experience, very gatekeepery dudes with ponytails. Um, it makes it kind of really fun and interesting. And, like, it's made me want to read, like, some of the books from the Black Library and stuff. Don't nobody tell Nate. He'll text me. <laughs> I'm glad they've kind of kept the sense of scale. Um Yeah. That that yeah, like dis- despite despite being miniatures, that that is one of the, I guess, defining traits of, 
the 40k is that everything is just un- unfathomably huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this, like, nine meter tall, you know, huge paladin knight thing that's got, like, a giant... You can, like, stand on the chainsaw sword on one arm while you're hosing down its shoulder kind yeah. of thing. It's really good. Um, my one sort of side disappointment... I haven't done all of it so far. I've done quite a lot of the levels. But nothing is, has moved yet. So, like, in the... um. Some of the levels and in like some of the, say, the uh, Back to the Future DLC or the Final Fantasy special pack, the Midgard special pack, you could press a button and like open up a bit of one of the mechs or like move the gun arm up and down to better get at some of the bits to clean it. Oh, yeah. I haven't been able to do that yet, which is disappointing. Oh, and there hasn't hasn't been a Space Marine who marches in through a door and demands that you hose them down no not yet i mean it could happen you do uh, it's really good you get like kind of passive aggressive bitchy texts basically from um a co-worker so you get like very light you know law context heavily redacted as if you're getting like you know letters from the front about what you're cleaning and why and where it's been and stuff like you know redacted planet um but you also get messages from a peer, essentially like another um, tech priest, who when you start is like your superior, but you quickly get kind of promoted and you get given like the the cooler jobs and like the more honourable, you know, you're cleaning like okay. a dreadnought and whatever. And he starts sending you like passive aggressive messages being like, once again, you have the honour of cleaning at, you know, the night paladin, whereas I am stuck <laughs> hosing down the barrels of crud or whatever. Uh, and then gets cross or will say, say like hmm still 19.98% uh, to be cleaned are you losing your touch and stuff perhaps <laughs> I should pray with ever further for you to you know um, so that's fun as well so it's it's still got the, the power wash sim sense of humour as well so I really enjoy it if you like power wash sim definitely check it out if you like Warhammer 40k I would say check it out I don't know if you'd like power wash sim but power wash sim is very good there you go. Yeah. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you rate it amongst the other Power Sim crossover DLCs? Oh, that's a good question. I I think it is one of my favourites. I maybe liked the Back to the Future one a bit more just because I have more nostalgia to that. I'm like, oh, Back to the Future. Um, but uh, this is very good and the, the machines are very impressive just to see them. Um, and the kind of attention to detail with, you know, the the, the power washer you have is called the uh, Aquasantica Arquibus. And it makes a slightly different noise and stuff than the, the main game one, things like that. It's very good. Um, I try to think of playing anything else this week. I must have done, but... <laughs> <laughs> power wash them. Let me look at my Steam. What have I been playing? Yeah. Power wash them. Oh god, I played six hours last night. Jeez. Yeesh. <laughs> I know. I've been playing that and I've been playing uh, Cobalt Core um, for our game club, which is a roguelike deck builder. And I'm currently writing an article uh, trying to explain why I don't like it because it's a deck builder, but it's not no fault of Cobalt Core. Um, okay, uh, so it, it's, not, it's not an issue with Cobalt Core specifically. No, it's just because it's a roguelike deck builder <laughs> that I've been forced to play. 
Um, so I played about that. I've also been recommended Witch Hand uh, by my friend Johnny. They said it was really good, but I haven't played any of it yet. But it's um, uh, looks like a cute little kind of. Uh, if I open it up, it's it's a kind of um, uh, like you're you're a witch and you're leading a coven, uh, but you're doing it through like cards um, that you place on on a, a board. Um, rather than like doing the things yourself, uh, sounds like a deck it's, builder. It's like a, it's not, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm gonna give that a go this week. Um, yeah, cool. yeah, it's, but mostly power washing, obviously. God, I can't remember the last time I played six hours or something straight. It's I know how university days. Is that? I mean, just... it's because I got nothing on and no one to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, James, it sounds like it's a good good day to wear hard. It is a good day to wear hard, and today we are returning to the sweaty-faced world of virtual reality, because Sony, makers of the PSVR 2 VR headset for the PlayStation 5, lockdowns, yeah. uh, they have announced it. We are currently testing the ability for PSVR 2 players to access additional games on PC to offer even more game variety in addition to the PSVR 2 titles available through PS5. We hope to make the support available in 2024, so stay tuned for more updates. Basically, barring disaster, the formerly PS5 exclusive PSVR 2 will be usable in some way, shape, or form on PC. And this is an interesting one because the PSVR 2 is one of those hardware things that is pretty successful at what it is but in other ways is maybe starting to look like a failure so by all accounts okay so by all accounts like the hardware is great it has a i haven't haven't tried it but like it's reviewed very well has a very high resolution like oled display in the in you know the goggles so good sharpness good colors contrast and all that uh it's apparently quite comfortable the controllers are good has haptic feedback for your face so it will shake your face uh, when something exciting happens, Ish, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, haptic feedback, like you know, when your controller vibrates. I know what haptic <laughs> feedback is, but it vibrates your cheeks. Yeah, weird. Okay, yeah, there, 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 there are there are already um like gaming headsets with haptic feedback that vibrate you know the sides of your head. Oh, I don't like so. that. No, ban it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, like it, it could it could very well be a good VR kit for PC. However, uh, it is pretty expensive. Uh, not so much as the Valve Index, which I think is still nine hundred nineteen pounds or something, I believe. But the PSVR two is about five hundred thirty ish in the UK, which I think is which is more than a PS five. Um, it's also become apparent that despite launching the PSVR two with some quite big VR games, uh, does Horizon called the Mountain, uh, Cities VR uh, has a Resident Evil 4 remake VR version that isn't currently available on wow. PC. Uh, so despite all despite all that, there haven't really been many big PSVR 2 games more recently. And now Sony have also announced um, this is this is after making the PSVR 2 announcement. They've also announced hundreds of layoffs. That affects yeah, some, I was gonna some, say some yeah. of the studios that were working on VR games, um, including Fire Sprite, who co-developed Rise and Call of the Mountain. They're actually being shut down entirely. 
So yeah. there's maybe a sense that perhaps the PSVR 2 isn't doing all that great in a business sense. And yeah. that might be why it's now coming to PC. And I don't want to say, I don't want to say the PS5, I don't want to say like that the PS5's loss is the PC's gain because hundreds of people have lost their jobs and that would be ghoulish. Mm. But in a strictly hardware and game sense, the fact that PSVR 2 is going to PC probably could be a good thing. Like, platform exclusivity is increasingly like an outmoded concept when, you know, yeah. all Xbox exclusives launch day and day on PC. Sony themselves seem quite happy to port over PlayStation games, even if even if it is like a few after a few years. So it's probably good also to have competition for the Meta Quest free, especially since that's as much of a metaverse toy as it is a gaming device, whereas the PSVR two is focused solely on games. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I guess it's like generally good news for. VR on PC as a concept. Um, I I guess we'll see depending on how Sony's testing goes. Have you played? Um, yeah. Do you have you played much VR, Alice? No, it makes me terribly sick. Really? Incredibly, incredibly sick. Yeah, really bad motion sickness. No, Properly can't hack it. And also, you know, I brought this up before, but there is as yet no solution to wearing a VR headset if you wear makeup, particularly foundation. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I'm not much of a foundation wearer these days, but um, it does leave like a little goggle mark, <laughs> basically, <laughs> wherever it touches your face, which is not ideal. Yeah. Um, this, this, like, is some, this is something that concerns me a bit about um, like the direction of VR because a lot of the a lot of what comp- like manufacturers are doing to innovate is based more on making them like f- bigger and fancier and capable of doing more things. I think for like loads and loads of people, the main reason they don't play as much VR is because they don't, they just don't want to wear, you know, several hundred grams yeah. of scuba equipment on their face when they're playing. Yeah, when they're playing games. I, I, I think ease of use is would yeah, def- be something to consider on more. Personally. Yeah, it is. It is tricky to be fair because you know you have all these, as with a lot, as with a lot of hardware, you have all these kind of contradicting. Uh, desires, I suppose. So, yeah. you know, we, pe- people want a VR headset that without any cables. Well, okay, so you put a battery on it. Um, people want a VR headset that's light and portable. Well, okay, but now we've put a battery on it, so it has to weigh more. <laughs> um, I, I'm with you, yeah. I, la- last year I tried out something called the... has quite a long name, but I hope I get this right. The HTC Vive XR Elite. I think that was it. And that that was kind of like it could be a conventional like PC VR headset. They could also break down almost to just a pair of slightly chunky glasses that could still do. Okay. They could still do like very basic VR. I don't think I don't think you could play like proper. I don't think you could connect to a PC to do like proper VR games. But I think that's more yeah making making the hardware easier to use and lighter to wear and just generally more comfortable. I think yeah. is maybe could maybe like draw more people to it than just making it more powerful. Yeah, so, I agree. So yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I, <laughs> this is something I'm not like a, a massive expert on. Like all, all our most of our VR coverage on RPS is done by uh, a chap called Rick Lane, um, mm. fr- friend of our friend of RPS, who's much more knowledgeable about it than I am. Uh, 
yes. but yeah like i think i think the psvr psvr 2 is like good on specs and has some has some good games this, this is one thing like it'd be cool if like the psvr 2 exclusive games get ported to pc as well that'd be nice mm. wouldn't mind having a go on call of the mountain um <laughs> rick actually wants rick actually wants to play resident evil 4 remake on vr so that'll be good for him as well <laughs> Now that is just about all we have time for this week because we have no Nate this week mm. and therefore no mini game. But as with every week, we will close with recommending something that is not a video game. James, what are you recommending this week? I'm recommending uh, an album called Tiny Changes, A Celebration of Frightened Rabbits, The Midnight Organ Fight, uh, or just Tiny Changes. Uh, basically, this is a covers album, uh, all based on songs from Frightened Rabbits, uh, I think 2008 album, uh, The Midnight Organ Fight, uh, done by a load of different bands um, and and artists. Um, okay. I've 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 really liked this album for many many years, but I've only just got back into listening to it like more or less daily, and it is it is desperately sad, <laughs> uh, not just because. The Midnight Organ Fight is full of breakup songs, but because in between it being recorded and released, uh, Scott Hutchinson, the singer of Frightened Rabbit, passed away. So it's still... So, oh. like, yeah, there's this really... It, it, it almost, like, unintentionally became, like, a tribute um, a tribute album. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad and can, like, I guess, depending on how into Frightened Rabbit you were, it can be, like, quite difficult to listen to, maybe. Um, but it's still that kind of, like, beautiful sadness like a lot of these songs are absolutely gorgeous like so nicely textured and well performed and i really like the production on it is fantastic as well so if you can if it's if you can just like power through that sadness it is really rewarding i think mm. um if you just want a taste i'd say the highlights are daughter's cover of a song called poke and julian okay. julian baker's version of the modern leper uh, but there's loads of good songs on there from a load of very talented bands covering another very talented band. So, yeah, it's good. I'm going to recommend uh, a new podcast um, called Here Comes the Guillotine. Okay. It is, uh, it's a comedy podcast <laughs> um, that is uh, the comedians Frankie Boyle, Susie McCabe and Christopher McArthur Boyd, who are three Glasgow comedians. It's quite dark. Um, but like uh, lefty right on darkness I guess um, they uh, have a good kind of recurring bit about how um, cause it's just rambling like mate cast like banter cast but just very funny um, and they have a recurring bit about how if he'd been born a bit later if he was of today's generation because he was so open minded and, and sort of inquisitive and wanting to learn about the world mm. um, then uh, Billy Connolly would have been a conspiracy theorist because he would have run into the internet really quickly. So they just occasionally will be like, Building 7? Fuck off! <laughs> it's really good. Uh, really makes me laugh. I know so, so many people uh, who would love this. Um, uh, I just think it's really great. And I absolutely recommend giving it a shot because um, it's really been a, a good pick-me-up for the last few weeks. There's three episodes out now. Um, so yeah, here comes the guillotine. I used to I used to really not like Frankie Boyle because I didn't really like the kind of like yeah ooh edgy humor. But then, 
Ricky Gervais happened, and it kind of <laughs> it kind of gave me some perspective. Well, his so his stand up has actually changed a lot. I've um, have seen him live recently, and he's it's different to you know from when he became famous and they even reference that in an episode of the podcast where they say like you know people who liked your old stuff you know coming to you now like it, it he it's still kind of dark but it's less just like b- being offensive yeah for being offensive okay. sake it's not like shock comedy so um it's yeah if you if you only knew Frank, Frankie Ball from like 15 years ago um he his comedy his style of comedy is very different now i think interesting i would say yeah, so maybe give give him another shot. See 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 yeah. what you think. Give him a fair whack. Uh, yeah. yeah. That though is really all we've uh, got time for on this season three episode eight of the Electronic Wireless Show. We talked about Easter eggs in video games with some excellent segue work from James. Thank you, James. You are very welcome. <laughs> I'm too too tired to segue, babes. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. You can, as I mentioned, email us podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, you can join the Discord. Um, uh, you can. What else can you do, James? Oh, you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on all of uh, your favorite and least favorite social medias, um, where you can just search for Rock Paper Shotgun. Will turn up. Uh, the Discord is a really fun place to hang out as well, so the link for that is in the show notes. But for all of your PC gaming needs, just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, and until next time, you listening, I love you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to you, James, for joining yeah, thank me. Thank you too. I like, I like listeners too in a platonic way. <laughs>